Hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of the St. George's Garden Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kells River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark's and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued crisis. And I am joined as always by the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good day to you, Lindsay, through the grace of God, doing as well as we can. Under the circumstances, I had a pretty, pretty busy week, um, so trying to recover a little bit because tomorrow's also a very busy day. With two services, I'll be out in the Archdeaconry at Sabania uh, as their acting rector, um, and also that we have the, the pleasure of having Father John Goliath doing service at St. George and Father Derek Abrams doing service at St. Mark's and St. Monica's. So we're very grateful for that help. Uh, added to that team, we've got Reverend Mole, who will be doing services uh, on a rotation basis with us as well. So we're very grateful for the team that there is, and we hope that the, our congregations will embrace the new reality, at least for a time, and also uh, help us with strategy to uh, do effective ministry uh, um, in in the parish, given the team we have, we are looking forward to when Bishop will send um, a possible full-time assistant, but we don't know when that will happen. But we'll wait and see and get on with the business nonetheless. Yeah. So thank you, thank you. I trust you're also doing okay with your family. Uh, yes, um, of course, people can tune into the live stream of the Sunday services. Um, there's this podcast, there is a WhatsApp line where there's daily ministries going out, daily devotions. So there are many ways to get that spiritual fulfillment um, during this tumultuous time. I just want to say a very happy anniversary to my wife. We are celebrating our anniversary on Monday, um, which will be tomorrow when you are listening to this. And yeah, it's been an amazing 11 years of marriage. I know she listens to the podcast. She supports. So I just want to put that out there. Win a few brownie points. Maybe earn myself an extra cosista. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Congratulations for tomorrow. Thank you. Um, uh, and to you and, and uh, Monique. And um, we we are also in the same month, the twentieth. So we had our anniversary in the in the week too. Uh, Thirty six years. Trudy was able to to hold me together. <laughs> she endured you. Congratulations. She you endured me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is Thank you. terrible that we we put them through what what we like. If if this podcast yeah. is just a little glimpse into the type of minds um, that the Reverend and myself or the Archdeacon and myself have. Um, imagine living with that <laughs> 24 years, because I am no different in like all of my relations than I am on this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Father, it is the fourth Sunday of Easter. Did I get That's it right? Correct. That's correct. Awesome. Um, and there are two wonderful readings here. It's Acts chapter 4, verse 11 comes up today. So the stone that the boulder refused. And then in the gospel, it's John 10, 
verse 11, which is, I am the good shepherd. There's a lot to cover. If you could please call us together with a collective prayer, and I will catch up with you after that. Good day, my brothers. Uh, we are, as Lindsay said, uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter. And we greet you in that wonderful Easter words and reality. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. The Lord be always with you. Let us now pray the collect for this Sunday. It is on the screen. Please pray it with me. Good Shepherd, you reveal your love for all and call them by name. Grant that all who hear your voice may follow where you lead. For you live and reign in the unity of the blessed Trinity, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we are going to start with the reading, which is from Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. Um, it's after the apostles healed the lame man. So this is their kind of first public miracle. And yeah. it didn't sit well because, like, put yourself in the mind of the high priests who had now sorted out the Jesus situation and now they confronted with more of the same. <laughs> And yeah. they roll up to Peter. So this is um, high priest Anas and with Caiaphas, John Alexander and the others who belong to the high priest family. They made the apostle stand before them and asked him, how did you do this? What power do you have or whose name did you use? Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, answered them, leaders of the people and elders. If we are being questioned today about the good deed done to the lame man and how he was healed, then you should all know, and all the people of Israel should know, that this man stands here before you completely well through the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from death. Jesus is the one whom the scripture says, the stone that you the builders despised turned out to be the most important of all. Salvation is to be found through him alone in all the world. There is no one else whom God has given who can save us. So I love. There's there's a certain interpretation of this line of verse 11 um, that Bob Marley, Robert Nestor Marley, crafted track number eight on side two. <laughs> of the Soul Rebels. It's one of my favorite Whalers albums because uh, it's like one of the last times because um, James Brown features on there, Peter Tosh, obviously Bob Marley, Curtis Mayfield, um, and it's produced by Lee Perry. And it was the first record that Marley and Perry collaborated on um, in August 1970. And the song that I'm talking about is Cornerstone. So Bob then created an entire narrative around this one line. But my question to you is, Father, is this response from Peter what then ultimately ended him? Because this put him like on, on the roadmap, like on, on, the, on the map for, like he was a nobody up until this moment when he spoke out against the high priests. 
Well, I think one of the references to Peter just before this was would be the um, the, the 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 scene in the courtyard when Jesus was being put on trial and where he denied Jesus publicly, even though people had said, "We don't know who you are by name, but we know you were with this man." Mm. And then the cock crowed thrice. We do know about that. We do know also that in one of the gospel stories. He runs up to the tomb to see who is there. And though the younger man, uh, John, the disciples Jesus loved, uh, did not want to go in, probably because of youthful fears about graves graves and, and, and tombs, mm. Peter goes in and sees that Jesus is not there. Mm. So, so, yes, he, now he's emerging out of the... Um, out of the appearance stories and then also out of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon him. And he uh, becomes the spokesperson for this emerging church, mm. uh, community of, 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 of um, apostles and disciples of Jesus who were told to go and be witnesses of Christ uh, from mm. Jerusalem through Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So uh, Peter then is is, a, is, is we're taking up the role on this rock, I will build my church and the gates mm. of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, indicating Peter would be a significant leader in the early church. Mm. Um, one of the things that's very interesting is this is the same Peter who, when Jesus said to him, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am and who do you say that I am? And when Peter made the confession, you are the son of the living God, Mm. Uh, Jesus immediately speaks about his death, and Peter says, "Please, he rebukes Jesus." So mm. it's amazing how, out of the mouth of rebuke, now comes the mouth of proclamation. The very one he rebukes, mm. um, showing us how the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God is able to transform even those of us who. Uh, are not able to understand why we say certain things, and then we have to grow and understand things mm. in a different light. Um, and he speaks to leaders and to people. Now, who dares do that uh, in a time when patriarchy and um, top-down leadership was favored? Mm. But we are told uh, Peter does this as the Spirit of God who has filled him uh, leads him to do. Mm. He answers, he responds to, to these people. What, what I find very interesting is there is no gratitude that this man who could not walk and was disabled and could not function, there's no celebration in these people. Mm. You know, they are more concerned about how did you do this? What power do you have? Because there again, the issue of power comes into play. If you are able to do this with us, uh, with power and you've got a name in whom you do it, mm. well, then people are going to start following you because we don't have that kind of power. Anything mm. we have done as the leaders of, of, the, of, the, of the religious community has not seen such miracles happen. Now you are calling people to get up and walk, and they do. And you say this in the name of Jesus. Um, how is it that you are able to do all of this? So he says, 
well, this is the name, the name of Jesus Christ. Mm. Is proclamation always a response to a question? Mm. Or is proclamation the start of the conversation? Mm. This is a response to a question from the leaders. And under the guidance of the Spirit, Peter speaks out. Mm. So in other words, and I, I said this last week, the church's work and, and the church's ministry and the church's words is supposed to be so public that it can be the starting point of engagement, either mm. to a question or the starting engagement to the conversation. We can't keep what we do on the inside and only have that conversation amongst ourselves. It's a conversation for what is going outside there. Now, when we say Jesus is the stone that the boulders despised, is Jesus only the stone of the temple as the community of God? Mm. On and which, which, if you don't have the cornerstone in place, your building is going to be pretty crooked and lopsided if your cornerstone is not placed where it's supposed to be placed. Uh, and if you don't recognize that from that point you build, you don't build from the middle of the, of the, um, what is that thing that you build that you that you dig. The, the, the trench. The trench that you did. You don't build from the center. You build from a corner. Mm. That's where the building starts. That's the score, the corner, the stone, the very first brick you lay. Um, easy is Jesus only the cornerstone of the of the of the faith community? Is Jesus the cornerstone of society and the world? Mm. So, uh, and of, of all of life, in other words. I, I understand what you're saying, and, and we're going to allude to that in the gospel section as well. There's a couple of things we need to talk about there. Um, but but in here, um, I I have two issues. So, like, one thing about the, the, the Robert Marley um, reference was he actually... Pulled the line from what's it Psalm one one eight, I think it is, um, that that Peter was also referencing, and he wrote that in response to his father. It moved him so much that he thought of his father, who never acknowledged him and never got to see the man that he became. Um, so his father, Norval Marley, was a boulder. So it was quite a literal kind of. Um, yeah, that had literal meaning to 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 him, uh, that his father had cast him aside. But that aside, like daddy issues aside, we in a society now where there was quite a big YouTuber who started this. They're going to do a charity event for autism. So he made this video. He's usually quite private about his family. Um, his son is autistic. And the backlash from the autistic community was that the foundation that they were supporting was in favor of finding a cure for autism. 
So my question here is, should we praise people for the miracles of like healing the lame man, or should we rather look to build a more inclusive society where differently abled individuals have a role to play? I think the fundamental issue for 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 the church is that whatever we do mm. and whatever we say, we either claim it in the name of our son Jesus Christ or we um, believe we are doing it in the name of of the, of, G of the Son of God Jesus Christ. When you are, if I understood you correctly, if you are placing the the power of such a movement in people, mm. then are you not giving an an over? I mean, the the possibility is that that person's ego could grow. Number one. Or that person could be overwhelmed by the responsibility set on them uh, to hold that um, movement together. Mm. Um, when there is when 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 Peter talks about Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus, uh, he goes as it were almost outside of himself, recognizing that. We are not held by ourself and what we say. We are held by someone more powerful than ourselves. Mm. So in other words, the building rests on the cornerstone and as such is dependent on the cornerstone for the project of the whole house to be completed and therefore uh, livable and safe. Mm. So... I, I I don't know whether I'm responding to you correctly, and no, but I think any any I think it's laudable when people get the vi visions of 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 what to do. And yeah, in the name of his son, he's is 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 plowing his resources, um, and 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 looking at the disability that he the son is challenged. But even though this, as a result of the son's disability, he can then act out a vision mm. to to try and get um, research done so that cures can be found. That, that's laudable. Mm. That that's laudable. Mm. Um, but inevitably, that movement would either number one be captured by those who see an ocean of money flowing in. Mm. Or it could be captured by the those who see it as a political uh, thing to lean on, and eventually can lose sight of what it actually was for. Mm. Uh, eventually, it will fade because it's only. Uh, I, I mean, when this man, when this father says, "I'm going to do it in the name of my son," but for the cure for all, he is also joining his son to a community of people disabled in that regard. Mm. So therefore, it's it's laudable, but what holds it together? What will keep it on track? What will make sure that the end goal is achieved? Mm. Uh, because when you have forces joining you, they could easily claim things in that structure that 
in fact, never get you out to where you're getting to towards the, the end goal. I see in this whole thing about Peter where it's in the name of Jesus mm. who fulfilled exactly what God intended him to do, salvation. Um, and, and I would say that in a, in a cause like the one you mentioned, uh, uh, um, I'm, I'm being a very, I'm being very, what's but faith-based communities needs to be in there to ensure that they are the vanguard of protection mm. to ensure mm. that such a laudable product, but it must not be owned by them. Mm. They must ensure that scrupulous people are not going to take it over. And in the, na the name of, 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 of interfaith, they could hold such a project together maintain the dignity of the people for whom it is being done and also supporting those who are able to get it to where its vision is fully realized mm. but my, my question is my question is actually around should we be looking for these miracle cures like now in in in, in the time oh, of covid um, or should we be maybe shaping our society differently so that we don't need cures, we don't need miracles where differently able people can live as live productive and valuable lives, um, make space for them with, with, within our communities. So where's the cure needed? In yeah. the mindset of people, in the hearts of people, for that to be able to ha to happen, um, how do we get society to be built on a a, a cornerstone that can, can can fully embrace both the in the disability and the uniqueness of what these people with disabilities have to offer, mm. without judging them or trying to find cures for them and who knows if we work together to make the world an inclusive place for all mm -hmm. that within that a miracle can happen because now we're inclusively working for the benefit and common good of all mm. but what cornerstone are you building from yeah that's the question but then you have stories like this where there's miracles that happen that then spark certain uh, or at least miracles are referenced to to kind of bring a certain message across and then these stories get taken and now people are looking for miracles like people are looking for a miracle cure for for COVID, for aids for anything instead of solving the root problem which is like accepting differences yeah 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 i i i, I hear that I think, as I said, for me, if we do come together and, 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 and create an inclusive society, would that not be the purpose that Jesus came for, number one, from the Christian perspective? And would it therefore not be that within the collective, we will be able to find cures uh, emerging out of there? But the cure itself is not just to get somebody fixed up, but to get mm. the whole world onto a better place with each other. And uh, how to do that is the is the million dollar question. Again, I think what 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 you and I are probably looking at from two different lenses is number twelve. Salvation is to be found through him alone. Now, what does salvation mean in a context where we're working towards a common good uh, society, a common good? 
uh, is that is that the fact that that idea of working together for the common good not part of the saving act of our Lord Jesus Christ? This is not a manner of just getting the soul saved. Uh, this was done in the in the in the um, context of a healing uh, a healing miracle. Mm. Um, so it was about it was bodily healing that also transformed the person's sense of self. And uh, it was part of restoring that person back to their families. And that person now being able to have a vision of inter, inter, interdependability. He can take up responsibility and care for others. Um, he can take a responsibility role in ensuring that the, that the world becomes a better place through him. Mm. So salvation has got more ramifications than just the saving of the soul. Mm. Um, so, so what? So how do we bring about a community which works for the common good of all, where, when that same community right now lies in tatters because mm. of greed, because of violence, because of power mongering, because of um, inability to accept difference mm. and to celebrate it, uh, and where there are extreme numbers of people that are voiceless, and that um, and that only a certain amount of people are out there sh shouting about medical cures, mm. um, but not for the common good of all. So uh, we, we're not, we're not, it's not just about diversity. We are divided. How do we bring a divided people into a mindset of the common good of all? There needs to be salvation. And what is the purpose of what Jesus had done for us? Mm. And verse 12, it's found in him alone. In all the world, there's no one else whom God has given who can save us. Now, here is very controversial. Because is, is the Christian faith the only one that works with the model and the reality of a saving story? Does other religions have the same? Mm. Where do we meet each other? Uh, and how can Christians not have a dominating voice but a very prevalent voice? And that brings us neatly to the gospel, which is according to John chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. I'm going to read two verses. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And then verse 16, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So my read here is problematic. <laughs> I hear um, that. But I don't think that the interpretation is correct. I think that this can be misinterpreted as being said that we must, um, what is the word? Pakir? Yeah, <laughs> convert. convert. We must convert everybody to follow Jesus. But I think what's being said here is they. I think that the important thing here, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So it's like, 
among like the monotheistic faiths, there's one God and it's all the same God. But he's not really saying that everybody should follow him, but listen to his word. They will listen to my voice. So like take the value out of what I am saying, the the philosophy that I'm trying to impart. Um, what, what do you think about this? Should we be converting everybody to Christianity and will that make the world a better place? Well, if you if you look at Christianity as a divided reality, then to what are you going to be? Denominationalism, doctrines. Somebody said they wanted to join our church. Then I say to them, you can't join the church because the church doesn't bring you the salvation. Mm. It is only Jesus and the church is the community of Jesus that helps you to go into salvation. So once you've accepted Jesus, then you are part of the church. You don't accept the church and then become part of Jesus. I suppose that can happen, but, um, but he is the main thing. The question for me is not what we are meant to do as much as is what has Jesus offered himself to be for the world? Mm. Going back to the Acts of the Apostles, has somebody from other religions been given this great task of bringing people into a saving relationship with the living God, or at least proclaiming to be that. Why does Christianity stand out in that? Not, not that, not that we want to make it the right religion, but but we want to say why is its message so unique, uh, based on the person of who Jesus is, and based on who Jesus offers Himself to be. You remember what He says. I know my own, my own me. I lay down my life for my, for my, for them. I have sheep that do not belong to me. He's taking responsibility. I, I must bring them also, mm. and they will listen to my voice. This is his action. Now, now we must work therefore with him as the good shepherd, not as the people who decide who decides are we going to win these people over. Over for Jesus. But how is Jesus wanting to win them over, and we helping him to do that? Um, and and I think here there's a huge problem in you know what does evangelism mean? Mm. Um, is there is there still a role for it if we are meant to go into the world to love and serve the Lord? What does that instruction mean at the end of every Eucharistic service? Are we there to go and say people must become Christians? Is that what love and serving the Lord actually mean? Um, or or you, as we serve, we as we love and serve the Lord, and as we come and go in peace, people then who encounter us in that regard, in, in, the, in the phase of service, may respond and ask, what's this all about? Can you help me understand it? Or you've enriched me so much that I'm going to become more serious about the faith I'm in. Because what you've told me has helped me. And that we, we have to be very careful here. When we speak, how do they hear his voice? Mm. 
because it's his voice that they will hear and respond to. But if we're speaking too loudly, how do they hear what Jesus is saying rather than what we are saying? What we think Jesus is saying in our interpretations. Do they actually hear, as our, as our um, liturgy rightly says, hear the word of the Lord. This is the gospel of Christ. This is not my gospel. It's not the church's gospel. It's the gospel of Christ. So do, do they, in the reading of the scripture and the proclamation thereof, and when I evangelize, hear the good news of Jesus, though I and you are a conduit to bring that across to people? Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 it's 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 I, I must admit, you know, growing up during the apartheid era and 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 then coming to where we've where we've now reached the point of being in the struggle together for for the justice issues, where different faiths worked alongside each other with a common cause of justice. And then when you get into the new dispensation. Um, how do you work together continuously then, given that you work for justice? Now you've got to work for the upbuilding of, of communities, mm. not allowing politicians to take up the, these things by themselves, which unfortunately we've done and we've got ourselves into huge problems. But at the same time, not to trade in the very tenets of our faith, mm. which may conflict with another person, but does conflict necessarily mean there should be a problem? Or should we just really accept the diversity and and celebrate it? We may not necessarily believe it, but certainly celebrate it. Um, will Will Jesus at the end of the day then uh, say, you know, this flock that is not part of this fold, it's his responsibility to gather all of his flock so that there'll be one flock and one shepherd. That's the vision of the good shepherd. Mm. So that there'll be one flock and one shepherd. How do we do that when we're still all holding on to our categorizations, our classifications, our identifications? Um, uh, Because how, how how difficult we find to have a sense of oneness with another person. Even when we, in families, the conflicts of division is very real. The tensions that are that are present, um, where people sometimes utter things like, but you're not my brother. Or uh, just the other day I was answering a question on one of the quizzes that I was playing. And the, and the question was, what color is the sheep of one in a family that is not um, really mm. playing the game? You know, and and so, so you know, Heismari Swatska Pifani Family. So all of these categorizations, our language is not about oneness yet. Mm. Therefore, our hearts and our minds are not about that. That is, does Jesus 
just believing in Jesus and by following him and by experiencing his work of salvation readily connect me to another brother and sister for whom Jesus died, no matter what their circumstances are. Mm. And that in the call of the church, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. I need to respect and honor my brother and sister who may have very very, very challenging differences difference to me. I mean, when we um, talk about uh, the church, one of the first questions we have to develop to ask about the church is, so what church do you belong to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. don't speak about our commonness in Jesus. We speak about our difference team. Mm. So does, does, do we therefore have the same vision so there will be one flock and one shepherd if that is the vision of a parish for example how are we working towards that vision and should we be looking at our structures and our systems and our doctrines and our language where there are things that leave people out that are extremely conditional that um, really is about us holding power, mm. um, you know, or, or is it truly gospel? If mm. the vision of our Lord is one, one flock, one shepherd, what does that mean? Or do we only interpret that in our context, that the parish must be one, mm. that the Anglican church must be one? Are we, are we not supposed to be working to say, Jesus, what is this one flock all about? And what is this one shepherd all about? When there's so much differences we have to deal with. You are the shepherd. However, amongst the flock, there is so much difference and division that we are battling to find out how this one flock thing works. And so people come up with this beautiful phrase, unity in diversity or diversity in unity. I don't know which way. Unity in diversity. Is that what this one flock is all about? You know, um, and then, of course, this whole thing about uh, I laid down my life for my sheep. Is that what Peter meant when he said that own salvation is only given by God to him? The na name that we use to help this man get up and walk. I don't know. Like, I, I, I get a strong arrogance from the good shepherd. <laughs> monologue because <laughs> that's what it is like Jesus is feeling himself and he's expressing himself he's coming into his power um, he's recognizing his own difference he's accepting his truth which is no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again I have received this command from my father. So that's like, I mean, that that line is almost unchanged in the four translations that I did read <laughs> to go just to make that okay. point. <laughs> okay, but let me let me let me put this back at you. When you eventually developed yourself mm. and imagined yourself as the opinion guy. You labeled yourself. Yes. Right. And was that a position of arrogance? 
Or was that saying that my reflection is so is that it will include as much as I'm able to reflect on, and then I will speak into that what my understanding is to offer you a, a, a different window to read this reality through. Mm. So what is Jesus doing other than saying, this is who I am, I can be no other. And so I'm offering this to you. And in, inevitably, when you make the decision to be the, the opinion guy, you, you have, as it were, said, here I stand. And I can do no other. This is who I am. Re receive me or reject me. Mm. I have the power to change this about who I think I am or have the power to hold on to it. So you are, are you doing something different to Jesus in the work that you're doing? When he's saying, this is who I am for the world and I'm choosing to lay down my life for you because just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, this is my reality, even when it cost me my life. Mm. I'm dying for who I am called to be for you as the world. Mm. So what's the what are you, what is the opinion guy trying to save us from? Trying to help us through? Uh, what is the the person who's been ordained as a priest. Um, what, what, what is, what is, what, why, why that title? Why, why do you give yourself every day for that cause? Um, what is this thing about venerable? Mm. And so, and so, how different is that from what Jesus is doing with that vision? So there'll be one flock, one shepherd. I guess I hold Jesus, the character, to a higher, I can't say model standard. Um, I, I expect him to act above the petty arrogances um, of us mere mortals. Um, but then I, I like to use that lens to then focus in when I see him acting outside of this caricature that I have sketched um, and then call issue with it to offer a different opinion so that people can make him in a different light. I hear that, but your caricature, caricature of Jesus never in all of history and eternity mm. would be able to, to, to accommodate his person and his presence mm. because he's uniquely who he is. So our caricatures of, of, of the way we offer Jesus to people, as we speak of Jesus to people, we must always be very clear. It is but a drop or even a half a drop in the ocean as to who he truly is because we could never lay claim on mm. his person and his presence and his power 
In other words, how do we let Jesus just be Jesus? Two people. You can't because your own experience of Jesus, even someone who doesn't believe that he is what he says, the way, the truth, and the light, um, I still have a imprint of him in my mind. Like I, I can reference something. Um, and that is unique to everybody because everybody's relationship to Jesus is unique. But I think me acknowledging that it's my lens that I view this Christ through is one step closer to enlightenment, if you if you dig what I'm saying. It's like more people, more priests, more pastors. Like you, you were saying earlier, the question is always, what church do you go to? So my question is always, what church do you go to so that I can hear which dom denomination you're from? Because I try to fill my mind with enough perspective, or at least slices of perspective from the varying denominations. So I like know kind of what your vibe is because you're identifying as that person. So I know I have a starting point to open up a conversation with you. Um, but yeah, I'm very conscious that it, it is my my projection. So like here's an anecdote. So my daughter in a class, um, there's a bit of a racial vibe going on. So there's like a solitary um, white child and she is accusing the others of being racist towards her. But she is also allegedly saying <coughs> racist things about the other kids. So it's like, so my advice to my daughter is, firstly, this is not her direct conflict. That's one of her friends in her group and this girl who are having a conflict. So I'm like, the only way you can involve yourself is to hear the, the white girl's truth, where it's like, ask her what you have said unknowingly that has hurt her and made her believe that you are racist. Like that is the starting point of the conversation and then take ownership of that because that is her reality. <coughs> and then start the conversation after accepting responsibility for harming her or at least hurting her feelings. So yeah, it's, 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 it's that, that idea of recognizing that your view is unique and not held by everybody else. I hear that, but listen to the um, the 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 point of departure you make with that story. There's a little white girl playing up, and she identifies others, unlike was unlike her in some ways, mm. as racist. She's identified them. So your daughter has to say. Hold it. Why are you saying I'm a racist? What are the things that you identifying as racism about me? Mm. Then I can can understand that except you when I look. Jesus comes to us and says to us, You are the sheep. No, he doesn't do that. He says, I am the good shepherd. Mm. 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. So he presents himself. Those who hear what he is saying would ask themselves, do I identify myself as a sheep? Do I need a good shepherd? Mm. Um, why is he saying this to me? And why does he say, I'm doing this for the sheep? So we, we hear his words, and now we look at his person. How is this carried out? Then he makes a comparison between himself and others. So what mm. is the, the um, metaphor of shepherding and the metaphors of sheep relate to? I remember one day being coming from school um, in, in, the, in the 80s, 70s, sorry, in the 70s, and driving that cowboy train between Cape Town and Langa Station, where mm. you still had to open the doors, you know. And somebody was preaching on the church in the in the carriage that particular day, and, and there was a um, a a guy who, whom we would whom I would sort of have defined as a gangster type because mm. of the way that he walked and the way that he spoke. Got off at the station. And he said as he was going, my brother, the pastor So the metaphor either didn't go well with him because did he understand himself to be a sheep? And what would a sheep then represent himself to be? Hmm. So why was Jesus using this kind of language in the Gospel of John, which very much brings up Psalm 23, and other places where God um, gives us the understanding of the role he plays towards us and of the person he is towards us, um, uh, you know, the whole question of being that shepherd, that leader of the sheep. So is it not enough for Jesus to say, this is who I am for you? The kind of thing that Moses asked God when he was asked to go back and speak to Pharaoh to let my people go. Mm. Gee, God's, he said to God, so if I, when I go, let me, let, me, let me know what your name is. For I can't say this in my own power. I can mm. only say this in the power of the one who's going to let the people go free. But I'm, I'm going to do that. Well, tell Pharaoh, I am who I am sent you. Mm. So, so, so that's how God presents Himself to to Moses. Through Moses, Pharaoh begins to hear that. Are we able to take Him at His word for who He is to us? When we recognize what position we are in, what's the position of the human sheep like, of which you and I are part of, and do we need? A good shepherd. And do we need the one who said to us, whilst walking the face of this earth, I am the good shepherd. And as a good shepherd, the most important quality that I have to display is I lay down my life for the sheep. And what does that laying down his life for us mean? Is it that we can have life 
which is what we will hear in this passage of scripture later on. I've come early on. I've come that you may have life and have life in all its abundance. Because we all desire life, how then will we ignore one who presents himself as the one who can help us find the true meaning of life, the true essence of living? And um, or do I just go about it like I want to go about it and not know in what way I'm going to find out what this life is? Mm. And often I've walked both paths. Often I both walk both past, seeking to do something that I think will bring life, bring me a satisfaction in life, and I don't find it. Or I may find it and then end up, if I continue that path, it actually is a cul-de-sac towards dying and death rather than to living and, and in abundance. So in the, in the comparison, in the comparison um, between your daughter and that, classmate of hers once she then discovers why this girl has identified her as 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 a racist um where to then does the conversation go because if she gives her whatever the 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 the, the, the elements of that definition is mm. would it then lead to where um an argument to say but why have you identified me as something like that when you know that's not how I relate to you. Mm. So is the whole burden of racism based on because you are different in color to skin to me? Or do you know how have I come to relate to you while being your classmate? Mm. Now for me, that's the essence here. Mm. If you've chosen, and, and that's probably the hidden message behind what you told her to, how you told her to deal with it. How have I really related to you that you would label me a racist? So in other words, that's what Jesus did. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And this is whom I am for you. What will you do given your context as a human sheep? Mm. I don't know. I, I find myself ever more feeling more sorry for people who, and this is uncharacteristically judgmental, um, who only receive a slice of this kind of philosophical understanding of life, like once a week, like through this podcast or engaging with going to church or whatever. Um, and like, what I like about Jesus is that following Christianity is a shortcut to a deeper understanding of, of the life that we live without having to do the hard yards of asking the questions yourself. It's kind of like a textbook and it's giving you all the answers and it's only up to you to kind of interpret it. Um, but <laughs> my, my, you know, my, I'm coming up with a different statement on that yes, one. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Speak, I'm listening. Uh, so yeah, like, like I, I think I will, will, will close off by saying that that we shouldn't take it too 
literally, or at least be spoon fed too much of what other people think like these words and Jesus's life means um, through the interpretation of the scriptures. I, I think we should maybe build some time into our daily lives to kind of analyze and think and relate um, to our own circumstances, our own time, our own, yeah, our own perspective and measure our arguments against the answers that, that Jesus is giving. Um, and on that, I will allow you to respond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to argue and say that this particular methodology that you and I have used, which you have really been the creator of, in terms of exploring our faith during the difficult time of COVID, of which we are still much of a part of, but at the same time where we are prayerfully moving towards some kind of a new normality, given the vaccines that are becoming available and uh, respecting, respecting with great gratitude those who are keeping to the protocols to keep themselves and others safe. That the exploration of faith is the key thing here. That whilst we read and reflect and study and look up and, as you have so bravely said, consulted four Gospels around some of the words of Jesus, I don't think Jesus wants us to eat anything for soot cook, as they say. Because how do you explore your faith if you're only licking off what you think is the cream? How deep in your faith will you be if you're only taking out certain texts that are favorable to you and able to confidently quote them? Mm. Um, when you're interpreting from the scriptures what what it may be saying to you at that moment, and you share that interpretation about what you've learned coming from the text, it then exposes you to others who will think about what you say. I, I often I have two people that has that that says these things quite interestingly. When when something has happened and I give my opinion on it, um, that person's the way that person listens to me, they can they 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 preface their response like this. <laughs> so they've heard what I've said, but I've fallen short of what there is. So that person then goes and adds. Now, because I'm quite aware of hearing that, I said, I say to myself, now let's hear why they are saying what I have said uh, doesn't meet it for them, but they accept what I'm saying. And now they're taking me to, to depth. So what is happening here is I am, of course, I'm challenged because I, I, I saw it only in this way. But now more challenged because I want to hear what depth is this person now leading me into that I couldn't see for the first time. Mm -hmm. So exploring faith is not just looking for what the text means for me or what God may be saying to my heart at this moment in time or the questions I may have about the text. It is exploring the faith together. That's what this podcast has done. But that's what we do in worship services. Mm -hmm. We're exploring our faith together in the practice of that faith. New experiences emerge for us if we are truly as reflective as we need to be, as, as responsive as we need to be, as still as we need to be for us to um, 
gather in as much as we are. But by no means will we have gotten the whole story. Mm. Because it's an exploration of faith. Mm. And when we say we're exploring faith, it's more than just the abstract of faith. We're exploring the, 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 the kernel source of our faith. Both that which we have in God and that which comes because God has revealed God's self to us. Mm. So the kernel of exploration is, is, is fundamentally, who is Jesus? And who is the God that Jesus presents to us? And what is the meaning of what we're learning from them today? For And what, what's the meaning of God for me in the context that I'm living right now? Especially when I have gotten some idea of what I want to do with my life. Do I need him or don't I need him? So. Coming back to explore, exploration of faith, it's therefore not just an exploration of faith. I would perhaps want to say it's an exploration of faith and life. Mm. And so, and so we, we need and we can only do that when we journey together with one another and are open to where the other is as we share this journey. Both in silence as in speech, because silence helps us to hear and to listen to our own heartbeats and through the scripture to the heartbeat of God and to each other's heartbeat. But when we when we when we when we say amen today, we by no means reached the extended plateau. We've only but just gone one step forward, if that at all. Yeah, that's an important point. Um, and I will always be on hand um, to humanize Jesus <laughs> and provide <laughs> a different opinion. <laughs> and on that, Father, if you have any other points of reflection in the praise of the church, thank you very much for this discussion. Um, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed from my side too. In our prayers today, we give thanks to God that Jesus the good shepherd laid down his life for us and in so doing demonstrated God's love for us. We also in intercession ask Jesus, the good shepherd, to be the true guardian of our souls and to keep his church focused firmly on him and his kingdom. That Jesus, the Good Shepherd, will draw us closer in unity and fellowship in his name. We come to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who is our true defense, and pray that he will give us courage to place our trust in following his way of peace, drawing the nations closer in a commonwealth of shared humanity. I think that's been a common theme for us uh, today, Lindsay. As we pray uh, to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who is the true owner of all wealth, that he may open the hearts and purses of all, that as we richly received, so we may be generous in our given, giving. And pray that God will raise 
benefactors who can enable all that he lights and liberates. We come to you, Jesus, good shepherd, with the injured and the weak. Protect and hold in your love all who cry to you in their need. Revive us in your mercy. You laid down your life, good shepherd, for our salvation. So Jesus, gather us in our final hour to your eternal fold. As you know us, so may we hear you call us by name in your kingdom. In this COVID time, we continue to pray that you who brought us healing, salvation will continue to bring us healing from this virus, enabling us to cooperate by our behavior, to keep all safe, to bless back frontline workers and to keep us all protected as the vaccine is being rolled out. And Lord, in this reality of gender-based violence, we pray to you that even though Jesus was crucified, experiencing the violence of hatred, that you may help us every day to say no to any forms of violence and empower us to stand up for the victim and work towards an end of all violence. Continue, Lord, to bless our continent and all nations. And so, my brothers and sisters, in conclusion, and with thankful hearts, we say to you and ourselves, let us now go with our trust in the Good Shepherd. Let us love, not just in words, but in truth and action. Let us believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.